It's so good to be back. Uh, do you believe it's been 14 years? Wow, yeah. 14 years coming up at Christmas time. And uh, it's so good to see so many faces. My brain has been working overtime trying to get some names. Uh, recognize the face, but the name is kind of so. Please excuse us for doing that, but it uh, takes a little while for the brain to kick into gear. Can I say congratulations from our Cairns Church and Atherton Church to Life Source, 40 years? It's a long time. So congratulations thus far. And who knows what the next 40 years holds. Amazing things. And congratulations to Steve. Uh, you're embarking on an amazing journey. Uh, of course, it's not new to you, but Congratulations for you to come to this place. And I want to say congratulations to Rodney uh, for your journey with Steve to bring somebody from... Uh, I can remember my last job before we left was to entice Steve and Sarah into Kids Church to run Kids Church. And uh, congratulations, Rod, for journeying Steve right through the credentialing process and bringing him to a place where he can become senior pastor. So, yeah, good job, done well. You know, it's really blessed me, touched me, is uh, all you little kids that were little kids when I left, all you rat bags running around everywhere causing trouble are all serving the Lord. Jamie up here singing was one of them. <laughs> Pastor Jamie, that's, I can't get my head around that. <laughs> and it's a blessing to see all the younger generation serving the Lord and finding a place in whatever it is, whether it's IT or out uh, uh, serving with hospitality or up front or in the music or whatever. That, that's a real blessing to see that. Uh, whether it's overseas, serving as missionaries, a Dallas boy, I can't get my head around that one. That's amazing. And uh, God is good in all of that. But it's my job this morning to bring the Word of God. It's my privilege. It's my favorite pastime, is presenting the Word of God. You know, there's life in the Word. There's life in what Jesus said. They're just not words. It's just not uh, ink on paper. And it's just not words that you hear, it's life. And I pray this morning that that which I share from the Word of God might bring that life. So let us pray, shall we? Let's just commit this time to the Lord, allow His Word to minister. Let's invite the Holy Spirit this morning. Father, we thank You for this occasion. It's a special occasion, but Lord, we come to make sure that uh, we just center ourselves around You. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. We ask that you come and minister to us. Lord, let these words that you've shared with us through the Bible come alive. Lord, let them be appropriate to us today. I pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. I just want to talk briefly on reaching our potential. Fulfilling our calling God. Coming into a place where we are able to do that which God asks us to do. 
And there are many barriers that we need to overcome, many obstacles that we've got to work our way through. Uh, and one of which, the greatest enemy is not on the outside, but on the inside. The greatest obstacle that we have to, to uh, negotiate is, is the self-talk. Is the things that we think about ourselves. The thoughts that are private, that are internal, that nobody else sees or nobody else knows. It's the voice in here. Not in our head, I'm talking about in our heart, internal voice. And I want us to see a psalm this morning that helps us with this. Because we need to overcome the self-talk, overcome the negative thoughts, all the issues that we have internally. We've, we've got to work our way through that to come to a place to be able to serve God. And for us as a CRC, who we are in Christ means so much to us. Who we find out that we actually are in Jesus. Not what we were. Not what we think we are or what we know that we were. It is what we are presently in Jesus that counts. Thanks, Cesar, if you want to put it up. I've titled my message, A Firm Place to Stand. Jesus has done something amazing for us. And I want to talk a little bit about that, but I want to talk about what we must do. What we must not do and what we must do. Jesus has done an amazing work. It's finished. It's done. What he accomplished upon the cross is an amazing work, and he's done that for us. But there are some things that we must not do, and there are some things that we must do. So let's look now into, see if I can get this contraption to work. There we go. Psalm 40, verse 1 and 3. 1, 2, 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet upon a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And He put a song in my heart or in my mouth. I have a reason to sing. Now, I'm not a good singer. But I tell you, when I know what Jesus has done for me, it causes something to bubble up in here. A little bit of a tune, a little bit of a private dance can I say because something has taken place that's changed my life completely from what I was to what I am now I could not accomplish other than what Jesus has done for me he lifted me out of the slimy pit has anybody been in the slimy pit <laughs> yeah a few of you being honest out of the mud and mire, he set my feet upon a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. That place is secure. That place is, is like a rock. It doesn't move. It doesn't change. I can trust in it. I can stand upon it and know I'm not going to slip back into the mud and mire. That's what Jesus has done for us. Now, I remember when I was growing up as a kid, my job was to get the cows after school. Well, we lived on a dairy farm, and I'd get home, change out of my school clothes, jump into some farm clothes, jump on the motorbike, a, a Yamaha 185 egg bike. Big pregnant, pregnant uh, 
fuel tank and uh, as a you know 10 year old kid if it fell on you that's where you stayed like you weren't going anywhere my job was to get the cow so jump on the bike at four o'clock go out get the cows uh, and cows are creatures of habit so as soon as they hear the motorbike and i'd get on the horn honking the horn they start coming home and uh, they'd just walk home uh, and that gave me about half an hour to go out on the motorbike and do whatever i want like as if dad didn't know but anyway that's <laughs> And we'd have to cross a bit of a ford over a creek and a, a, a swampy area. And across this ford, there, there's like Dad and others obviously built this track, you know, rocks and dirt and gravel put, put up there and you go through the swamp area on this track and you're right. But off the track, it was a swamp. It was boggy. It, it looked nice. The, the grass had grown over it and it looked good. But underneath the grass, you know, six inches of... of uh, uh, roots and whatnot. It, it was a boggy. We, we called it the bog hole. Now, as kids, we used to love this bog hole. We'd go to this bog hole, we'd get long sticks and poke it through the grass and, and fiddle around in the bog hole. And if you were there long enough poking around with sticks, you'd soften the, 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 the grey mud underneath, you'd soften it up and it'd start bulging up like a, like a bubble. And you could jump on it like a trampoline. And it was great fun until the grass broke. <laughs> and if you're wearing gum boots, your gum boots would go and you'd never see them again. You wouldn't get them out. But we thought it was fun. We'd get in with a stick, we'd poke it away and we'd squeeze all the mud out of the hole, you know, like squeezing a zit, you young people, just like that. This mud would come out everywhere and we'd get it all over us. And I'll tell you, we had fun with this bog hole. But it never, ever ended well. <laughs> ever. The evidence was quite clear when we got home. Dad would say, you've been in the bog hole again, haven't you? And the worst part of this is the next day, bringing the cows home, a cow, you know, they'd mostly go on the track, but, you know, they do what they like. A cow would end up in the bog hole. That's when we're in trouble, big trouble. So we'd have to go and get the tractor or whatever and pull the cow out. Now, Dad, these bog holes are deep. Dad used to bale the hay, contract uh, baling hay for the neighbours. So he'd go out and he wouldn't know where the bog holes were in the neighbour's property. Uh, and next thing, he's ringing all the neighbours. He's got the tractor bog and the, the baler's half in there as well. And somebody comes with their tractor and they get that bogged. And, you know, I remember as a kid, I've seen four tractors in a bog hole. Now, whoever wrote the psalm has been to a bog hole. <laughs> they know what I'm talking about. I know what they're talking about. The bog hole. And you get in there, and it just does not end well. Tractors, cows, it's all over you. And it says, Jesus has lifted us out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, set our feet upon a rock. Now this bog hole, it, it, it's not external. It, it, it's not a bog hole on the outside. I want to tell you the bog hole's on the inside. It's internal. It's our thoughts. It's our self-talk. It's all the issues that go on within us, you know, of, of what's happened to us as a kid, the failures, all the words that are spoken 
over us, all the issues that have gone down, the rejection, the hurts, whatever it is. And it's like there's this bog hole in each one of us. We, we, we all know what our issues are. Is anybody here without issues? Let, let's just get this straight. Put your hand up if you haven't got any issues. Yeah, I thought so. We've all got these bog holes in our life, and you know what we love to do? Get in there with a stick and start poking around. Yeah. And at the time, it feels pretty good. All these negative thoughts, all these issues that have been brewing since a kid, they're all in there, and we start poking around, and I'll tell you, it never ends well. Is that true? It never ends well. If you don't get caught in it, somebody else will. Yeah. Next thing, the whole tractor's in there. Jesus has lifted us out of the bog hole. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you've had a perfect upbringing. Maybe everything was, was just so good. Everything spoken over you, everything that happened to you was good. Now, I had great parents. Now, I'm not bagging out on my parents at all. They're really good parents. I love them. Very positive. And they've, in the recent years, they've just come to the Lord. But your siblings are something different, eh? Like, <laughs> and they say things that are not really quite in line with reality. For me... I remember this one occasion that's so burnt in my thinking, in my heart, in everything about me. One day, I might have been 10, I think. This is the only time I've ever run away from home when I was 10. We, we had, Grant would remember, the pasties. You know, pasties, huh? From, this is South Australian, all right? Pasties. We had half a pasty on the table after a meal time. And no one was allowed to eat it, but it, it vanished. It disappeared. And the only ones left on the table was myself and my older brother. And of course, it was on who ate the pasty. Who knocked it off? Now, I know one thing for sure. I didn't eat it. I wanted to eat it, but I did not eat it. My father got off the top of the kitchen cupboard the long cane flexed it, and he determined that I ate it. So I copped it, two of them. Man, I took off out of the kitchen. I ran down into the pine forest, which is nearby, and I built up all these pine needles around me, this fortress, and I ran away from home for two hours. Love it. This will teach him a lesson. This, this will really teach him a lesson. So after two hours, I thought, that, that's enough. That, I, I should have made a statement by now. Got home and nobody even knew I left. Like, but that set up within me this concept that I'm wrong, that I'm the wrong one. I, I broke it. I'm the one who stole it. I'm the one who let the secret out, the cat out the bay. I was always the one that did it, even though I didn't do it. Sometimes maybe, but mostly not. So this is my bog hole that I've identified, and when I married Billy, it really come to the front. Like, 
tell you what, we had many of fights over who was right and wrong. And so I had to come to a place say, I've got to deal with this. I have to deal with this. Let's look at another scripture. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Setting your hearts. This is what I want to talk about. Setting your heart. That means your heart is your mind, your emotions, everything internal. All your private thoughts. Self-talk. Everything internal. Setting your heart. Who's watched The Bachelor? Or Bachelorette now? Come on, come on. Put your hand up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> now, the one before was The Bachelor. Now, you may remember he got down to the last two ladies. And this caused such a, a, a thing in social media. He got to the last lady, and everybody thought he was going to go with one lady, but he went with the other and said, I have to follow my heart. Does anybody remember that? I've got to follow my heart. And this is a concept that our world has. Follow your heart and you'll be okay. Just follow your heart. That'll be the right decision. Now, it sounds good, but I want to tell you that's very, very worldly concept. Yeah. Let me read you a Proverbs. It's not up there. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. This might be a surprise to some of you. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Whoa. The heart is deceitful above all things. Oh, just follow your heart, mate. You'll be right. Oops. <laughs> your heart lies. Your heart has a distortion of the truth. Your heart cannot tell fact from emotion. Your heart is so mixed up that it's above all others deceitful. Now, I know that Jesus has given us a new heart. He's taken the heart of stone out, given the heart of flesh and all that. But this is before Jesus. This is before the cross. This is before the cure came. So we have a heart that needs to be disciplined, that needs to be challenged. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to follow my heart because you could be deceived. It could be a lie. It could be a distortion of the truth. It might not be right to follow your heart. Now, I know there's a place for that, and I'm not saying that's a whole wrong thing, but in reality, we follow the Word of God. Amen? Because the Word of God is true. It's trustworthy. It's like a rock to us. Now, my heart deceived me. It always telling me that I'm wrong. It always telling me I broke that. It's always telling me that I'm the one who let the cat out the bag. It's always telling me you're no good. That's what my heart tells me. Now this verse here says, set your hearts on things above. That means you determine what your heart thinks. You determine what your heart feels. You determine what your heart, what the emotion will be. You determine that. You set it. You discipline it. 
Now, this is an amazing concept. Setting your hearts, it's like, has anybody mixed concrete? Made a path or a something? Yeah? And you know when you put the sand and the gravel in and then the, con- the, the cement in and the water in, you've got a certain time or that thing's going to go off. <laughs> and it sets like a rock. And once it's set, there's a saying, concrete cement is very unforgiving. Because when it's done, it's done. Now this word setting is talking about that setting your heart. You determining how your heart's going to think. You're determining what your heart will feel. Now this is the first thing. My father used to tell me, you've been to the bog hole. The evidence is all over you. I know where you've been. You've been down in the bog hole. We used to get disciplined for that. And he said, don't go to the bog hole. You kids, stay out of the bog hole. You're going to cause our cows to fall into that bog hole. But if I drive the tractor over there and I'm in the bog hole, I'm going to blame you. You'll be the one. Don't go to the bog hole. How many of us, when we're trying to serve the Lord, when we're following the call of God, that we get the stick and we start poking around in the bog hole, stirring up all the rubbish and the issues within us that we, we have from childhood? Words spoken, you're no good. You won't amount to anything. You're a failure. Go on, get out of here. You're not wanted. All these words that are spoken over us. Oh, you're stupid. You stole a pasty. <laughs> We've got to not go there. We've got to not poke around with a stick and stir it up. Because it's not going to end well. It will not end well. What has Jesus done for us? Lifted us out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, set my feet upon a rock, gave me a firm place to stand. I want to give you five things very quickly. Five rocks that Jesus has done. This is my life that I'm telling you today, all right? This this is my testimony. Five rocks that I've stood on that has got me brought me out of the mud and the mire. And this is how I've got to serve the Lord. I've, I've often wondered, you know, as a kid, if an auntie come to visit, I would hide under the table literally to avoid them. Because I didn't want to meet anyone. No, I thought, well, why would they want to meet me? I'm just the wrong kid, you know. I'd hide behind tables. I'd hide anywhere possible to get away from meeting anyone. How have I got to that place, from that place into a place of, able to stand up in front of people to speak. It's been a journey. And these are five rocks that I've stood on that have been firm for me. It's given me a firm place to stand. Number one. Now, I'm not going to preach anything new. This is just what we know and understand as a CRC church. Number one, I'm a child of God. Ephesians 1, 5, He predestined me. For us, for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. He's adopted me. Now, how many of you know adoption is different to giving birth? Yeah, different concept. Now, for the mums and dads, 
you've had kids, you gave birth, you didn't get any choice over what they looked like. You didn't get any choice over the colour of their hair. You didn't get any choice over their personality, over their temperament. In fact, you are responsible yourself, but you didn't get any choice. Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> you passed on your genes, you passed on your DNA, but you, only God determines what they look like. And you love your son and your daughter because they belong to you. You love them just as they are. But adoption is a whole different thing. Adoption is where you make a choice to take that child. You can take them or leave them. And, and you can learn all about their background, learn all about their upbringing, who they are, who they're not, learn everything about them. And by the end of that, you can say, yeah, I'm going to have that child. I'll decide to take that child. And you sign paper, adoption papers and you receive that child by choice. Now this is a rock that I stand on. God chose me. By the way, that will be the second rock. God chose me. God chose me because he saw me as a child. All the issues that I had, all the sense of being wrong, all the, all the mud and the, the muck all over me. And he still chose me to be his son. Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. God could have not chosen me, but he chose me and he signed the papers in the blood of Jesus that I am adopted. Rock number two. Chosen by God. Verse four, for he chose us and him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, this word chosen, it's not a fancy word. When you go to the bakery and you've got the, all the different yeast buns and the cakes, all the various things in front of you and your eyes are just like lit up and you're there to buy something, what do you choose? The best. You choose your favourite. For me, it's a kitchener bun. I think that's a South Australian thing too, a kitchener bun. If it's there, I'll pick it. So I choose because I like it. I want it. This one I want, and I, I choose it because I want it. God looked at me out of everybody, like standing at the bakery, so oh, I like that one. I want that one. That one's mine. And this is what God thinks of me. He wanted me. Hallelujah. God wants you. He's not overlooking you. He, he doesn't take you because he has to. He wants you because he likes you. He likes what he sees. Huh? And he's willing to pay the price to get you. Now, Kitchener Bar may be $4.50, but I tell you, God paid a bigger price to get you through the blood of Jesus. You belong to him because he likes you. This has been a rock in my life. God likes me. Amen? God likes you. And he's chosen you and he's adopted you as his son. And it says in accordance with his pleasure and will, he is absolutely delighted to take you on board. Hallelujah. That's a rock to me. That gets me out of the mud and the mire. I don't care what anybody else thinks. It's what God thinks. Number three. How you going? You still with me? I'm loved by God. 
In verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace or love that is lavished upon us with all wisdom and understanding. God loves me. The simplest of message, but it's a rock in my life. God loves me. God loves you. That's a decision. That is a decision that he's made to love you. Regardless of who I am, regardless of who you are, God loves us and he's done it with all wisdom. And get this, he's done it with all understanding.